You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. It is Connect Sunday, so I'm going to open up my sermon. Please don't judge me. I left my Bible at home because I was reading it. So I usually keep it in my purse. I left it, and I was like, well, we're just going to have to be all techie, and it'll be behind me for sure, and then it's in my notes. Um, So as I was praying about this particular Sunday um, and what God would have me say to you guys, um, I really just felt like, one, to get past my nerves, I have to look at this like devotion time with Amy. You're all my friends, and we're going to have devotion time in that, so I'm going to get through it and not be nervous. Um, Secondly, I just 100% felt the Lord say that there's people in this room that you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself, okay? So it's going to go down. I'm going to drop it in seven minutes and 45 seconds. Um, And by that, I mean is that, as the anonymous quote goes, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So by check yourself, my point this morning is going to be check who you're surrounding yourself with. Because who you spend your time with and who you're allowing to pour into your life is who you're going to become. Okay, um, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Okay, I forget which translation I use, but those guys will throw it up there. But it says, bad companions ruin good character. Bad companions ruin good character. And some of you may be looking at me like, but Amy, my friends go to church with me. We're all Christians. We're all in this thing together. Sometimes your Christian friends aren't even good for you. Okay, and I say that out of love, and I'm going to get into it, but sometimes even your Christian friends are the ones that are holding you back from what you have, what God has for you. So check yourself check yourself this morning. So I want to tell you that the Amy that's standing on this stage that you see right now or the one that's on the worship team that does all the things, she was not the Amy um, as a kid. I was very quiet. I was very introverted. I did not want to be up here. But the Amy that's standing here is a lot of Jesus and a lot of really good friends and mentors who poured into my life and said, this is what God's calling you to. And I knew it. And this is what I'm going to push you to do it. (laughs) So let's give it up. Now, I'm going to tell you, real quick, a little bit about myself. You might, some of you might go, yeah, I could see that. Um, before I found Jesus, okay, I didn't get saved till I was 16. I was the queen of filthy jokes, okay? I was the queen. Like, no one could beat me. It was a crown. It was a title that I wore. I was like, I, I could throw down with the best of them. I could make boys blush, and I thought that was the greatest thing ever. Um, and I was in marching band. I'm a band nerd. Woohoo, band nerds. Um, I was color guard, so... I can twirl a flag. And I would, me and my posse, we would sit in the back of our school bus in my small town of 3,000 people, if you can call that a posse. Um, And we would just tell horrible jokes, cuss like sailors. I mean, it was horrible. Um, So I, fast forward, I get saved at 16. And I'm talking radically saved. Like I walked out of the church from the altar. In my Pentecostal church, we had altars. You came down, you knelt, you did the whole thing, right? I walked out and I was like, oh, the stars are brighter. Oh, I can breathe. And I looked at my grandpa who had been telling me this my whole life. And I said, I feel like I was carrying a heavy backpack and I just dropped it. Like I was night and day a different person. I go back to school. I get back in with my band boys and girls. We're going to competitions. We're in the back and everybody's throwing down jokes. All of a sudden I got nothing. I got nothing because in my gut it's going, this is not you. This is not who you are, right? 
changed, a completely different person, night and day. You may, people will tell you, that can't happen, you were raised like this. You know, your friends may say, you, you know, this, you were raised, so you can't do that. You were always this, Amy, you had the worst mouth, you told the best dirty jokes, you did everything. You'll never change, and that's exactly what they told me. They were like, you'll be back, you won't survive as a holy roller. You're gonna be back here, you're gonna be back. You're gonna be back, and let me tell you, I had to make a hard change. Right then I realized that something, the Jesus, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me that came to live inside of me said, no more, no more. And I made a hard change. John Bevere says in his book, what you do not confront will not change. Okay, that's point number one for you if you want a point this morning. What you don't confront will not, will not change. It won't, it will not change. You will just continue to live in what you are. So what did I do? I gathered all my things. I gathered my Walkman, my cassette player. Hello, kids of the 90s. And I walked myself to the front of the bus and I sat behind the bus driver like the nerd that I was about to be, okay? Everybody knows no one sits behind the bus driver. Come on. If you're sitting behind the bus driver, check yourself before you wreck yourself. But I did it. If you're doing it because the reason I did it, it'll go well for you. So I sat there, I put on my Walkman, the only cassette tape I could get my hands on was the Statler Brothers. Come on somebody, raise your hand if you know who I'm talking about. That's my people right there, Statler Brothers, and it was the Holy Bible. So I listened to the Statler Brothers, which is a gospel quartet, mind you, um, singing all about Jesus and Bible stories, and I loved it. It fed my soul, and it changed me into who I was, and I did that, and my friends were yelling from the back, and I was like, I don't care what you have to say. I'm a new person, and I'm gonna walk that out. Nothing's gonna keep me from being that. Okay, let me check my notes. Let me check my notes. Oh, my iPhone's working well with me this morning. I just got an iPhone. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. I cried. I cried the first 24 hours that I had it. It was forced upon me. I love Android. Go Android. Um, so, <laughs> so this is the thing is what I felt is that many of you, I'm taking it all the way back to high school, but it wasn't just high school. Like in my life, that has always happened. I've had to check. The Holy Spirit's been like, who are you spending your time with? Like as an adult, I found myself around naysayers, negative Nancys, people who just thought the worst, always saw the worst in every situation. And it just drained the life out of me. And I had a really great friend. This is why I say surround yourself with good people. I had a friend, Jen Little, who got in my face and said, do not ever apologize or feel bad for putting space between you and someone who is sucking the life out of you. Even if they're good Christian friends, they're good Christian friends, but sometimes people's baggage is weighing them down and that baggage will start to come on you. You don't want that baggage. That is not Jesus's best for you. You don't want that baggage. So I'm telling you right now, an open, oh, Proverbs, sorry, Devin. Proverbs 27, five and six says, open rebuke is better than love, carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I read that this week and I figured out one thing. Proverbs is very clear. This was my, a new opening of my eyes. Friends rebuke. Friends wound you. Friends don't let friends stay the same. Okay, mind you, when I say friends wound you, I'm talking about good wounds. Those friends that get in your face and say, you are not living up the best, okay? Rich Bogle took my husband into a hot tub for like three hours and kicked his rear end and told him, you're not living your best life. You need to seek God and take it to the next level. Changed his life and he loves it. Do we not, are we not friends with the Bogles? On the contrary, we do everything with the Bogles. We keep them close for good reason. They call us on our crap. 
So don't feel bad. Oh, oh, said that one. So here's my last point in wrapping up is what you fail to sew. <laughs> and the printer wasn't working this morning, of course, so I have to do it on my phone. Um, what you fail to sow, you fail to reap. It's scripture, but I put a little spin on it. What you fail to sow, you fail to reap. If you're not sowing into good friendships, if you're not seeking out those people that are going to get into your face and say, call me on my crap, call me on my crap, make me be different, change me. That's the people you want around you. If your friends are just holding you closer and they're not wounding you, they're just a look, they're, your fr- you, some of you have friends that are looking at your dysfunction and they're letting you walk in it. That's not a friend, my friend. Walk away. Walk away. You want somebody who looks at you and goes, you're not doing it. Case in point, Pastor Vince looked at me and I was leading, I was helping with Connect, right? Connect director and all those things. And I said, I'm just getting uncomfortable. And he said to me, you are not in the spot you're supposed to be. That was hard. I loved Connect. I love connecting people. I love Connect groups. If you're first time here, it's our home groups. Um, And I love that. But he said, this is not where you're supposed to be. This is where you're supposed to be. And it's developing and speaking and doing those things that God called me to when I was 16, but I've put on the back burner and been like, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. Get you friends like Pastor Vince and Pastor Becca who go, this is what you're called to. Stop being comfortable, get out. It's time to get out. And I leave you with those thoughts. Check yourself before you wreck yourself this morning, guys. Now let's give it up for the amazing Jason Porter. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. And I really want to thank you for the shout out to the band nerds in the room. I spent a lot of time in band. I actually enjoyed it. I, qu- I quit playing basketball so I could do more band. So, yeah, yeah. I'm a dork. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, and also, thanks, I mean, Amy, your, your passion for the Lord comes straight up for me on this stage. It's amazing and it's inspiring. Thank you. Also, thank you, Pastor Vince, Pastor Rebecca. Let me get on here again and take that risk. <laughs> so we're ready for a little fun. Um, so I want to challenge us with a question that I, I'm confident we all have a, a not great answer to it that we don't want to answer. But have we ever felt forgotten or abandoned by God? And if you're going to be honest with yourself, if I'm honest with myself, I've had moments in my life where I, I definitely felt that way. Um, while reflecting on that, it also reminded me of a story, a uh, fairly famous story of, of a gentleman, I always forget his name, uh, Horatio. It's more about his hymn that he wrote. Um, so he, he definitely had a moment where he probably felt abandoned, or moments, I should say. So about 1871, he was living in Chicago, prominent lawyer. He had his four-year-old son die. That same year, the, the famous Chicago fire happened that year. He owned many properties in downtown Chicago and lost all of his wealth. It burned him down, no insurance. So he, he lost his four-year-old son and then lost his wealth. Two years later, not, not much longer later, he is now going over, gonna, um, go over to London to help uh, D.L. Moody, um, obviously a famous evangelist, do some evangelizing, essentially. And, but last minute, business got in the way, so he sends his family off before him. Of course, there's no airplanes, they're sailing over on a ship. This ship runs into another ship and sinks. He had four daughters on that ship, all gone. His, his wife survived. But that sounds devastating, but I'm gonna leave it there, just for a minute. We'll finish that in a, at, at the end. <laughs> just, just a little. So, uh, Devin, First Peter. 
So we'll dive into scripture from here. Uh, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, if we, if we break it down in context, what was going on in the early Christian church is Peter's writing to the churches in the, in the area we now call Turkey. Uh, they were going through a time of persecution, um, not drastic persecution of being, you know, hauled off to prison, but they're, they're living against the grain of what the culture was used to seeing. So that, that's, what, that's what these people are going, going through that he's writing to. So uh, really the question is, what, if you're going through that or going through your own challenges in life, what would you want to hear from Peter in this moment? What, I mean, what would you think the church wanted to hear in that moment? So let's dive a little deeper. The, the first section, it says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but favors the humble. So what he's making a point here is we, we know God loves us and he, and he wants favor for us, but he's making a specific, specific point to actually make, ensure you're humbling yourself in order to receive that favor in a time of persecution. So it, it's, he's, not, he's giving them a real challenge. There's no question, but, but, but comes from that, we'll see, of course, by all means. So then he goes on to say, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. So the key, is, the key word is under. We are under God and his mighty hand. That is how you are humble. That's absolutely how you're hum- humble. So if I go real quick, uh, what is, what, I mean, what does humility really look like? Um, you could use the word all day long, but it, it's a challenging thing. It's not, it doesn't come natural. I mean, a, a humble person acknowledges that they don't have it all together. Yeah. <laughs> not, not always easy. A humble person seeks to add value to others. A humble person takes responsibility for their actions, good or bad. The humble person understands the shadow side of success. And what I mean by that is you might do something that's given an awesome thing that God gave through you to go do something brilliant, but it, but it shined on somebody else. So the key, but, but for God's kingdom, it's not always about you and how brilliant you are. It's what, it's what God's kingdom is and how we go the purpose for God's kingdom. Um, and then finally, the humble are filled with gratitude for what they have. So in, in all moments, in the time, again, I put that in there because times of persecution, you're still grateful for what you have, even if you're going through challenges. Um, and then, sorry, we'll keep on going. Um, God's mighty hand, yeah, so humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Again, what, what Peter's trying to focus on is in due time. They're going through persecution. It will happen. You may not feel it at the moment, but let's keep on rolling. Keep, have, that, have that encouragement to keep pushing and, and humbling yourself. Um, and then final, he covers, and this is by far the most important part that he closes with, and cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's simple. He cares for you, but it's so easy to get lost into our own lives and just say, God, I mean, especially when you're in persecution. He, he's reminding God cares for you. It's a simple thing, but remind yourself, remind yourself, remind yourself. God loves you. There, there's no question. So moving on from the scripture, I'll, I'll share a little bit of my story as well. Um, <clears throat> I, I was raised in an awesome Christian family, but they, they taught being humble. Um, and there is definitely no two humbleness, but I almost got too focused on being humbled in, in regard that I was um, only working in that regard primarily, but forgetting what God has, has on the other side. And so what, what I started to mix up was, uh, because the opposite of humbleness is pride. 
And, and pride is that separation between me and God. If, if I'm being prideful, I'm telling God, I don't need you. I don't need Christ. I don't need Christ who did everything for me. I, I can do it myself. So that, that's what I, my mind was of trying to avoid that. But what I forgot is your confidence actually comes from your hum humbleness. It's, it's literally, it's born in your humbleness. And, and the reason is, is what you're doing when you're being humble is you're allowing God to, to give you talents, use your talents for him and for his kingdom. So, so if I'm not gonna walk in confidence, I'm literally telling God, I, I, no thank you for everything you've done. I, I mean, it, it's, it's, so now I've, I'm approaching life in a completely different manner where I, I walk into something, I'm not saying this easy, even, I mean, even get on stage, it's, it's a little nerve wracking. It's not, it's not my normal place, but it's, that it, it's going to go well. God has my back, he cares for me. I, I leave all my anxieties with him. And Amy, I love what you said earlier, it's a similar point, who your friends are, who you surround yourself with. But there's also scenarios where I was in my life who you don't choose to surround yourself with, but maybe somebody you work with. So you don't get a choice unless you quit your job. So, and more specifically, my boss. So <laughs> made it even more challenging. But I, I, I became into a scenario where he, um, those around us, really, he started to drag me down. I was doing great things through God's power. Um, and, and his talents, but he started to beat me down year after year after year to where I, I was walking around with my head down. I, I almost had no confidence. Um, I wore it on, on the outside, but I didn't really have confidence on the inside. So again, surround yourself with the right people. And, and when you get in those moments, I mean, I prayed all the time, trust me. My wife prayed probably a hundred times more than I did, but, but they're tough. But again, God cares for you. you. You have that ability, have the confidence, walk in the confidence, serve his kingdom. Simple as that. So finally, um, I do want to touch on, since we're talking about connect groups, I think that um, it really just ties in with humbleness and confidence. So with connect groups, just the fact that you sign up for a connect group, the fact that you're actually going to show up, and then once you show up, you are intentional and actually participate. You're, you're humbling yourself. You're humbling yourself. And then take it to the next level and actually share real live changes. And that, that will absolutely change you. But at the same time, again, it's confidence. You're going to be around people, building a community that will help build you up, surrounding yourself with the right people. So, so go to Connect, get signed up if you haven't. You'll grow in your humbleness and confidence all at the same time. Wait, wait, wait. One last thing. One last thing. What? I got to I have 44 seconds, so I got I to gotta wrap up the story. So b bottom line, he, he, he gets on a ship to catch up with his wife. While he's floating through the exact same waters where his four, four daughters just passed a, a couple weeks earlier, he writes the hymn that, that's absolutely infamous, uh, It Is Well With Your Soul. Um, and it's, it's a very, very famous hymn. I don't know, most of you probably know it. But what, if, if I've had more time, I'd walk through it. But what's amazing in that hymn is what he learned is, is this exact same thing. He, even in his time of persecution, he humbled himself. He knew God cared for him. And he literally wrote a hymn with amazing words that says, it is well with my soul. Just, just amazing. Now, I'd love to welcome up our, our first TED Talk.
so I wanted to thank uh, Pastor Vince and Pastor Becca. Um, they give us a, uh, a spirit of boldness. They just inspire us in a way that, that uh, I can't even uh, fully enumerate. And, uh, and then also thanks for the help with, with uh, the three by 10. There were three uh, entities that helped me. There was God, Lynn, and Pastor Vince. I'll help you with this. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Okay, so we've all heard the expression, I need to find myself. And so what is it that defines your identity? And you have to think pretty hard about it to realize it. So is it your job? Is it your friends, your hobbies? Or, uh, I don't know, dirty jokes with the marching band? <laughs> so what, defi what defines your identity, Amy? I'm sorry. And so... <laughs> Or is it your family upbringing? So how were you raised? Okay. And then the next thing is, how do you go about finding yourself if you're lost? Self-help books, maybe? Maybe you could do a backpacking trip across Europe, naked. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> okay, how about pop psychology? That's always good. Yeah, so the... <laughs> So people, leave, people reach for a lot of different things when they're lost, when they're hurting. Right. Yeah. And the world will define you, though, if you're not careful. Yeah. And the adversary would love to help you define yourself. But, of course, he'll do that in a, in a way that you might not expect. He'll define you by your favorite sins. Right. And so as believers, we don't need to go on outback walkabouts in order to find ourselves in kind of a midlife crisis sort of sense, like in a movie. And you know why? We find our identity in Christ. Thank you, God. So we find ourselves to be seen and known and loved by the God of all creation. <laughs> and we find ourselves to be blessed to be in the presence of the almighty God. And you know who you are. You're a mighty warrior for the kingdom of God. So where do you find yourself in your walk for Christ? So I want to show you one of my favorite paintings. I'm probably in the way. Um, it was commissioned by the founder of the Salvation Army. And when you look at this picture, you may see something other than what I see. What I see is a spiritual battle. You may see kind of a rich and poor type of thing. But to me, this, is the, this defines uh, the spiritual state that people are in. And, uh, and so to me, it shows all the, all the Christians up on the rock, and the rock is Christ. And we're living our best lives, we're having a great time, while others are drowning in heavy seas and not knowing that Jesus already saved them. And the waters are shark-infested and there's a storm coming. And many of the people that are in the water still don't even realize that they're in peril. They don't see it coming. And the believers don't necessarily realize that there's other people drowning. So surely if they just had the eyes to see from the kingdom perspective, they would be awakened to that. So some of the Christians in this painting, they're reaching down, they're going out in boats, they're pulling people out of the water. I have this painting on my wall I see it every morning, and it reminds me that joy is spelled Jesus, others, you, in that order. Oh, 
And I don't know about you, but I want to be caught up in God himself and not in God's blessings. So we need to figure out who we are in this painting. Are we swimming? So were you an atheist or an agnostic? Or were you fed up with religion and rules and guilt that you grew up with? Or were you raised Christian? Beware that. Be careful of that. Were you raised Christian and, sec- and actually secular humanist? That's where I came from. And perhaps you never really thought about it, about where you are in this painting. And perhaps you never thought about it or read the Bible. So, and, the, and then church was probably really boring before you started coming here. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying. So, so next, are you, are you uh, drowning Have you ever said to yourself, life is just hard? How long can I keep this up? How long can I tread water? And every time I get up, another wave hits me. So is there a God? And if so, does he see my suffering? And if he does see it, can he help me? So I found Christ at age 36. So I've been through all of those stages of what's going on in this universe. I have no idea. Um, been there, done that. And being my own God was very heavy work. It's like swimming with a millstone around your neck. Don't try that at home, by the way. Leave that to professionals. <laughs> or are you a believer standing safely on the rock? So let's say you accepted Christ years ago. You show up to men's prayer at 530. <laughs> on Tuesdays or, you know, women's prayer on Thursdays, little plug, little plug there. And God comforts you through storms like this. So in Psalm 18 too, it says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. So I don't know about you, but I definitely see myself in this painting in a bunch of different places. I'm the one lifting weights and dining out with Lynn and, and, uh, (laughs) Having a great time. I'm going to leave the guitar playing, though. I'm going to leave that to people with actual talent, like, you know, Rich and Lilo and Antonio. Just, uh, just not me. So people on the rock can do these incredible, wonderful, wholesome, uh, enjoyable things. Uh, and we shouldn't feel bad about that. Those are pleasures that God blessed us with because of the type of God that we have. Right? And so the way I see it is that God placed those trees in the garden for us to eat freely from. How awesome is that? But I always notice that people, do I always notice that people are drowning all around me? Where's my sense of urgency? People are suffering. So if you don't look too close, people seem happy like they're doing fine. Uh, Romans 10, 17, how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So some people can keep their head above water for a very long time, but they just can't defy the structure of the universe from a spiritual sense. They need to hear the word. They need to find Jesus. 2 Peter 3.9, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. So are we pulling others up? So connect groups this year have an open seat policy um, where we can invite people into our groups 
And that way, each of our connect groups can be both a cruise ship where we're having a party and a fishing boat where we're pulling people up. That's it. And so in this painting, there's a storm off in the distance. So time is running short to awaken everybody on the rock and get help to pull the rest of them up. Luke 10, 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. It's all hands on deck, people. And there's another painting I want to show you that I absolutely love. Um, 2 Peter 2.5, Noah says, uh, Noah is referred to as a preacher of righteousness. Did you know he's a preacher as well as a, sh a shipbuilder? And after 100 years building the ark and preaching, only seven other people walked through the door with Noah. So how many years did that ark door just sit open without people going through it? It was a free gift of salvation from the storm that was on its way. And all people had to do to be saved was to walk through it. Wow. So in John 10, 7, it says, I am the gate for the sheep. This is Jesus. Jesus is that ark door. Have you walked through it? So how many people in your life are swimming or drowning, not on the rock, which is Jesus? And are you on that firm foundation so you can pull others up? Right? Be inside that ark door when the storm comes, pulling people in. So let's pray. Lord of the harvest, send workers. Help us to reach the lost before the storm comes. Help us to teach them the good news. Give them ears to hear it, Lord God. Bring them into a sweet and loving relationship with you. Show them the inside of the ark before the floodwaters take them away. You want none to perish, neither do we. Help us to reach them and speak words of life over them, your words. Help us to lead them through the open ark door and onto the rock of salvation in Christ. And the people said, amen. Thank you. <laughs> Give it up for our three by 10 preachers, let's go. Come on, come on. Well, hey, as we get ready to, ready to dismiss, what a great word. Ted. See, in our church, we should be having fun. We should be enjoying life. We can't get so focused on our little thing that we forget about what's happening in the world around us. There's an urgency. We don't all, no, tomorrow's not guaranteed. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. I love that God is not a God of, he's not mad. That's one of the things I like about him. There's a righteous anger that God has, but he's not mad. He's not mad. That's why he sent his son to reconcile humanity. There had to be payment. There had to be payment of sin. It was either going to be us that was going to pay that price or it was going to be him. And because he loves us, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. I'm going to take this one. So that anybody who is in Christ Jesus, as we talked about earlier, is in right standing with God. Unfortunately, the other side of that coin 
is not popular, but it's true. If you're not in Christ Jesus, he loves you, but it is in him that we're made right, which means we can't be made right outside of him, which is actually really good news because if it weren't that way, that would mean that your righteousness would be on you. I don't know about you, John, but I'd be hosed. Just ask my wife. Every day she's like, you are a mess. I know. But I'm in Jesus. I'm in Jesus. Doesn't make me better. Just makes me forgiven. Doesn't make me perfect. Just means that my sin is hidden in Jesus Christ. So, as we get ready to head home and get ready for the Super Bowl, come on, Super Bowl Sunday. I wish the Packers were playing. It hurts me deep. I'm believing for next year, though, baby. Come on. Before we go off into our Super Bowl parties and do all of that, I want to make sure that everybody here has an opportunity that if you're not right before the eyes of God, that if you're not in Christ Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you say, well, I don't know. I mean, doesn't coming to church make me good? Unfortunately, a lot of people in, our, in the world think that way. It's not true. Coming to church is good. Coming to church doesn't make you good. The only thing that will set you up for eternity with God and living your best life on earth is finding yourself in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. It's that easy. Just say, hey, sign me up. Jesus, I believe that you are God that you died on the cross for my sin. I want to be made right. Boom. Just like that. Not because you deserve it, just because he loves you. So all across this place, every eye closed, every head bowed, if you want to make that decision, you want to say, you know what, I need to, I need to align myself. Maybe you've done that before. Maybe you've raised a hand at a church service. Maybe you've, you've prayed a prayer, but if you're honest, it was... It just, it wasn't, it, 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 it didn't totally do what it should have done. That's because you, maybe you raised your hand, but you actually didn't surrender your life. You want to say, God, I, I need to accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to surrender my life and live for you. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't know that. I don't want God to change me. Amy talked about God changing me. Listen, he doesn't change you from who you're, who he's intended you to be. He turns you into who he intends you to be. And all of the weird corks and all of the things that makes you you, he highlights. He doesn't erase, he highlights. So if that's you this morning, you want to give your life to Jesus, I just want to, all across this place, if there's even one, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Come on, I see your hand. Praise God. I see your hand. Come on, praise God. I see your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anybody else? I'll wait just another second. Come on. So good. So good. 
Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, thank you for taking my sin, for forgiving me, for making me right in your eyes. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I'm not going to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.